And uh, somebody said, well, you shouldn't be so boastful about it. You know, you can be boastful about it. If you miss heaven, you miss heaven because you want to miss heaven. Well, everybody makes it hard to get there. It's not hard to get there. The price has already been paid. Amen. You just got to fulfill the work that God has called you to do. But it is good to be here. Glad to have our guests that are in the house of God today. Good to have Shane, the young lady that's with him. Glad that you're in the house of the Lord today. Good to have our friend here back. Been missing her. Glad that she's back in the house of God with us. And uh, good to see everyone that's in church. I believe church is the best place in the world to be. Amen. I want to make some announcements before I get into the Word of the Lord. And um, we want to pray for all of those who are sick and unable to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see Sister Adams here. We're still praying for Brother Adams that the Lord will perform a miracle for him. Our prayers are with Sister Hicks today. We ask God to give her a miracle in her body and uh, touch her and give her a quick recovery. We thank God for allowing the surgery to go off successful and everything seemed to turn out well. We ask God to touch her spirits and her body today and give her a quick recovery. I want to pray for Sister Nicole today, having surgery this week, and ask the Lord to help everything to go well. God to perform a miracle there. I know a God that is a miracle worker. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the good report for Brother Cooper and Sister Cooper. Thank God for the good report of Brother Baker. God's still in the healing business. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's remember those needs also. Uh, the good Lord willing, and uh, everything goes according to plan. We will be leaving town uh, for a week, comes Thursday, and um, I'll be on an airplane flying quite some distance. And so I ask you to pray for us, and the Lord give us a safe trip and bring us back home safe. Brother England from Brother Ham's, Brother Ham's assistant, will be preaching here uh, Sunday. And so be faithful to the house of God. And um, you never heard him preach before. I think a lot of us have met him before. But he comes with great recommendations from a great man, Brother Ham. And uh, we're looking forward to God doing something. I'd like, I'd like to get a call back that just the power of the Holy Ghost fell and had a great time in the house of God Sunday. People were filled with the Holy Ghost. No greater, no greater joy. Amen. To see God filling souls with the Holy Ghost. So remember that, and uh, so uh, be faithful to church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4, and uh, we'll look at verse number 14, 15, and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, try to give you what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart today. The Bible says, seeing then that we are, we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was on all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The Bible says that we have a great high priest, but it is not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The Bible also says, but with this high priest was tempted like as we are. It is speaking of Jesus Christ, yet without sin. Now that, that does a couple of things for us today. That sure diminishes the di- divine flesh doctrine, that he was not divine flesh. He was as much human as we are. Amen. But it also lets us know that he knows what we're going through. He knows what we feel. He knows what's happening in our life. Amen. And he lived a sinless life. He was still born of a virgin, and he lived a life without sin. Amen. And it tells us that we are to come boldly unto the throne of grace. All of us need the grace of God. Amen. And when we need the grace of God, it is certainly there for all of us. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands toward heaven and ask God for His help today. God, I pray for Your anointing. I pray for Your touch. I pray for Your help today in this service, God. You know what You have given me. I feel that I have direction of You, God. I pray that You would talk to every heart, talk to every soul. Move in every life, God. Move in this house today. Draw us nearer to Thee, God. Help us today. Strengthen us today, God. Encourage the weak today, Lord. We'll give You praise. Clap your hands, everybody, unto the Lord. Lift your voice unto God. Hallelujah. We love You, Jesus. We praise You. We magnify You. Praise God. Praise God. Lord bless you. You may be seated. It has been quite some time since I've preached on Sunday morning. And uh, I promise you I won't preach everything that I have uh, in my heart and in my spirit. But I would try to give you what the Lord has laid on my heart for this service this morning. I brought a songbook uh, to the pulpit with me today. And I might sing you all a song in a few moments. And uh, I know y'all be anticipating that, but uh, I might just, instead of sing it, I might just read it to you. But I want to uh, talk to you this morning from a very important subject, and I think it's very necessary in all of our lives. I don't just think it's very necessary. I know that it is very necessary in our lives. I want to talk to us today about the amazing grace of God. The amazing grace of God. I've heard a lot of, a lot of sermons on the grace of God. I've heard a, a lot of people that claim to know all the answers and all the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs about the grace of God. But starting off today, I would like to tell you and be honest with you, there is some things about God that I don't know. And I don't understand. There's some things about the grace of God that I cannot quite comprehend. Because I am not God. 
And I've never been where God has been. And I don't see things as God sees things. I see things as a natural person, just like you. God allows me to see things sometimes that are not as though they were. God allows me a little bit of insight on certain situations occasionally. But for the most part, I look and I see things that you see. And I see people as you see people. But the grace of God is something that is very difficult to understand. It's very difficult to comprehend how that God can show so much mercy and so much grace. Now, I don't know about you, but me as being a normal human being, it would have been hard for me on Calvary's hill. It would have been hard for me to hang there or allow someone to drive nails into my hands and into my feet and pierce my side, spit on me, ridicule me, call me all kinds of ungodly names when I knew that I had the power to destroy each and every one of them. And uh, so it would be very difficult for me to do that. But I am thankful that Jesus Christ is not like me. Amen. I'm thankful that He's God and I'm not God. And I'm sure thankful that He's God and you're not God. Amen. The grace of God, the amazing grace of God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness uh, of, of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. You see, the apostles had some difficult things to deal with in their lives. They had the difficulty, and, and we can see this difficulty coming out in the great Apostle Peter's sermons in different places where it is recorded, words is recorded that he preached. You can find on the very day of Pentecost when the Apostle Peter stood up with the rest of the disciples, began to take the keys that Jesus had given him and open up the New Testament plan of salvation. Now, I might go a little bit slow this morning, but don't leave me here. Stay with me. And, and open up the New Testament plan of salvation unto the known world at that time. We find that there was some things that was on his mind. There was some things that bothered him. Because the Apostle Peter began to preach. And then in his preaching, he said, you with evil hands. It's the one that you took and you crucified. You're the one that did it. So it lets me know that, that Peter's human nature was bleeding through. Another place in the Word of God. Again, the Apostle Peter reminded them of who they were and what they did. Because... They, by wicked hands, killed him that they had put their trust and their hope and their confidence in. And so these things kept bleeding over. So it took God's grace working through them to where they would have the ability and the compassion and the anointing to preach to those who they know took part in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That bothered them from time to time. And it messed with their mind from time to time. But the Bible says great grace was upon them. 
It lets me know that in our life today that we are going to face situations of people that has done us wrong or people that have criticized us or people that have talked about us. But we have got to have the grace of God working through us, in us, upon us, and help us to be a witness to those who even have spoken out against us. Amen. You cannot live a life without forgiveness, bitterness, envy, and strife. But you must have the grace of God. Webster defines grace as the unmerited love and favor of God toward man. There is no other way to describe the grace of God. Webster says that it's just an unmerited favor of God. Toward man. In other words, it's something that you and I do not deserve. It's something that you and I cannot perform enough good works to get the grace of God. It is not deserved by us, but it is the favor of God toward man. God's grace is great because it brings pardon and purity and peace and purpose to our lives. We deserve to die in our sins, but God's grace brought life through the cross of Calvary. Amen. God's grace sees hopeless situations. God's grace sees discouraging situations. God's grace sees things that are not as though they were. Things that we would give up on. Things that we would wash our hands of. Things that we would cast aside. God sees something that He can work with. And something that He can move in. And something that He can change. I'm glad that the grace of God did not see who I was, but it saw what I could be. Amen. I'm glad that the grace of God did not throw me out after the first mistake, but the grace of God picked me up and brought me back to an altar of forgiveness again and again and again and again and again. It's nothing that I deserve. It's nothing that I merited, but it's the favor of God looking down upon human mankind. One scripture, I believe it is David, if I'm not mistaking, that said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is it about man that God shows so much mercy and so much grace to? What is it, what is it about man that God would reach down his clean, sinless hands and get them dirty and pull us out of a wretched world of sin? What is it about man that God has made him a little lower than the angels? I tell you, there is something about man that's different than angels. There's something about man that's different than animals. There's something about man that's different than trees. And that is that God breathed into man the breath of life. That man was created after the image of God. Man is a prized possession and creation of God. Amen. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not by yourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen. As much as I believe in holiness living, as much as I believe that we are to be washed and created a new creature in Christ Jesus, as much as I believe that we are to live a sinless life before Christ, as much as I believe that we are to look different, act different, and talk different, and be different than the rest of the world, as much as I believe that the Lord or the Word of God tells us, come out from among them and be ye separate, thus saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you as much as I believe this. I also believe that it's not by our works that we are saved. It's not by our clothes that we are saved. It's not by our capacity our peculiar attire that we are saved. It's not because we are different that makes us saved. We are saved by the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. For by grace are ye saved, and not of yourselves, not of yourself. By grace are you saved through the faith that we have in the grace of Jesus Christ and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Amen. Heaven is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God. Amen. We're not living a holy life unto God. To get saved. We're living that because God has changed us. God has created us a new creature. Amen. I want to tell you that God loves all of us just the way that we are. But God loves us too much to leave us in our sinful nature. God wants to put His nature in us. God wants to give us a new lease on life. God's mercy and His grace came to where we are and picked us up out of a world of sin. Amen. By the grace of God, through faith, and not of yourselves. Amen. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be holy enough. You'll never be righteous enough without the grace of God. It still takes the grace of God. Amen. A lot of people are scared of to even discuss the grace of God. Because they feel like that you give people a, a license to sin. I don't give you a license to sin. Grace does not give you a license to sin. Amen. But you better take grace as God gives it to you and realize, I'm going to need the grace of God to get to where I am, to where He is. I'm going to need the mercy of God to even walk into the house of God and lift my hands up to Him and to worship and to praise and to magnify His name. Amen. The second thing is the redeeming grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are, 
by grace ye are saved, even when we were dead in our sins. He had quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Because of the redeeming grace of God. We must repent. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of our sins. We must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus has paid the supreme price for our sins. Amen. A lot of people look at it like it's hard to live for God. Amen. The way of a transgressor is what's hard. It's not difficult to serve God. It's not difficult to live for God. It's not difficult to get from here to glory. It's not difficult to love Him. It's by the grace of God are ye saved. Amen. The price has been paid. It's already been paid for. The trip has already been paid for. All we have to do is get the ticket. You can't get on the plane without the ticket. Amen. You've got to have the ticket. Now they do things by your phone. They transfer them by email. They transfer them by text. But you still have to have something describing that you have the ticket. It can be paid for. But if you don't have the ticket, you're not going. Amen. The trip to heaven has been paid for. But if you don't have the ticket, how do you get the ticket? You get the ticket by being born again. By water and by spirit. You get the ticket by going to an altar of repentance. You get the ticket by being baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. You get the ticket by being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's by the grace of God. Without the grace of God, we don't deserve what God has given us. Without the grace of God, you cannot be saved. Without the grace of God, you cannot receive forgiveness of your sins. Without the grace of God, you cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's by His grace. Amen. Amen. Redemption. Reminds me of a story that I heard about a little child that had some birds in the cage. And there was an older gentleman saying, what are you going to do with those birds? He said, well... I got them caged up, and as a little boy would do, he said, I'm just going to play with them, and I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to do that. The man said, how much do you want for the birds? And he told him, said, sir, they're not worth anything. Uh, uh, What good are they to you? What do you want the birds for? And so the little boy made a, a deal with the man, and the man gave him what he asked for the birds and when he did he took the cage from the little boy and opened them up and turned them loose and helped them out one by one because he had already paid the price
twice. I want to tell you when you were in the clutches of sin and you were in the clutches and the grasp of the devil and the devil said it belongs to me. It belongs to me. Jesus Christ stepped on the scene and said, oh, no, no, no. Let me remind you of Calvary, the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I can release them to freedom. I can release them to joy. I can release them to happiness. I can release them to peace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. But when he opens the cage, you got to fly out yourself. The price has been paid. Amen. Because the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, the grace of God. In Titus chapter 3 and verses number 5 and 7, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to the mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. But according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A lot of people say it's not by works. And they leave that out and say, see, the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness. Amen. That you're just saved by the confession of your faith. Amen. I want to tell you, first of all, you've got to confess that He is Lord and Savior of your life. But the Bible gives us a stepping process to salvation. And it says, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost, that's the way that you are saved. You say, but it's not by my works, but it's by grace. Let me tell you, by the grace of God, you're able to receive the Spirit of God that is able to make a connection with God. And when He calls your name, you're going to rise to meet Him. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall dwell in you. It will quicken your mortal bodies. Amen. And it's only by the grace of God the redeeming power Of the grace of God. There is grace. And there is an abundance. Of grace. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse number 8. It says in God. Is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always having all. Sufficiency of all in all things may abound in every good work. Can I tell you today that there are many shortages in life. There is many shortages in this world. There, you, you remember back, some of you can remember back in the, the, the early 70s, I, I believe it was, that there was a, a gas shortage. 
And they said there wasn't enough. Well, it's amazing that we're still using that same gasoline today. Amen. But there's shortages of this and shortages of that. And every time we have a hurricane and the plants shut down and they can't make enough fuel for the country, the prices of things go up because they say there is a shortage. It's amazing how it just stays up and some prices never come back down. Amen. But there is a shortage. There's a shortage of hope for people's lives today. Amen. There's a shortage of food in different parts of the country. There's a shortage of housing in different parts of this nation. Amen. There's a shortage. People are hungry. People are broken. And let me tell you, there's a great shortage of happiness in the world today. But let me tell you something that there is no shortage of. And I come to tell you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happened in your life, there is no shortage of the grace of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When people will write you off, when people would say there is no hope, when people would say there is no help, my God, my Lord, and my Savior says, hey, there's still enough grace. There's still enough hope. There's still enough power. There's still enough joy. Hallelujah. Thank you. There is still an abundance of grace. There is still an abundance of grace. Amen. There is no shortage of the grace of God. His Word calls it an abundance of grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 15 and 16, it says, For all things are for your sake. Amen. That the abundance of grace might through thanksgiving of many abound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But through our, though our own word, our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That the abundance of grace through thanksgiving, amen, is in us. And that we have hope through the glory of God. And though this outward man perish, yet our inward man, how do you continue on when you go through troubles? How do you continue on when you're fighting difficulties? Amen. Let me tell you, it's not by your resolve, but it's by the grace of God. Amen. It's only by the grace of God that I am standing before you today. It's only by the grace of God that you have made it back to the house of the Lord today. It's only by the grace of God, not by because of who we are, not because of what we are, but it's because of who He is and what He is and what He has done for us. That's the reason why we shout for joy. That's the reason why we lift our voice. That's the reason why we lift our hands. It's because of God's grace. Hallelujah. I just think sometimes, I think sometimes that, that God just gets joy out of taking hopeless situations. I've seen people that, 
and read about people that that go and and they they search out these old cars that is rusted out that don't look like much and they search for them and they get them and they take pride in tearing them down and rebuilding them and they get pride of showing what you can do with an old thing that looks like to most people a piece of junk. I can't fix it. I can tear it up, but I can't fix it. I can mess it up, but I can't put it together. Amen. But there are people that has a special gift of taking something that looks like nothing and making something very special that they can sell for thousands of dollars because they have the ability in their hand. When I think about my God, oh, hallelujah. When I think about the ability that God has and He looks down on a sinful, wretched soul a soul that the devil has taken and lied to and deceived and beat up and thrown away. And the devil says, no, they're in a prison that they can never get out. My God gets joy in saying, but I have abundance of grace. I have something that can renew. I have something that can refresh. I have something that can restore. I have something that can create. What that being is supposed to be. Hallelujah. 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 I look at people sometimes. They amaze me. When we were, when we were out in Las Vegas one time, we were at the Bellagio and they have a beautiful place there, a garden inside that they change ever so often. And in that place, they also have a cake decorating place that that um, I, I could afford to buy one about this size. That's about as big as I could go. But they make them for big weddings and and different things of the real rich and wealthy and high society people. But it was amazing the things that they could create. But you know what what they would create it out of? They would create it out of a mixture that had been put in a blender and beat all up. A bunch of stuff that was all stirred together. They had put flour. They had put sugar. They had put oil. They had put eggs. And, and I could take that same stuff and I could make absolutely nothing but a mess in the kitchen with. But by crafty hands and skilled hands, they could take and create and cut and draw and write and mold and make. Amen. So when we look at a life and say, ah, that can't be changed. Oh, there's nothing that can happen to that. Oh, they went too far. They went over the edge. They'll never get back. God with His crafty hands, God with His abundance of grace can take what looks like a molded messed up mess. Amen. And he can start molding and crafting and making. I want to tell you, wherever you are today, you're not too far that the grace of God cannot reach to where you're at. Amen. Whatever you've done, God can take it and make you new and mold you and make you over again. Amen. I thank God. Just looks at the devil after he picks somebody up 
And He cleans them up and He washes them up. And He makes them a saint and a Christian. And He looks and He says, see devil. Some of you were like that. The Bible said such were some of you, but what? You have been washed. You went to the potter's house. You were placed in the hands of the master. Such were some of you. Some of you were murderers. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were drunks. Some of you were drug addicts. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were fornicators. Amen. Such were some of you. Oh, but thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. The last thing that I'd like to talk to you about today is comforting. The comforting grace of God. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, the mighty, the powerful Apostle Paul. He was dealing with something. We know not what it was. I've heard different opinions, but like I say, they were opinions. The Bible does not give us reference or I don't guess it gives us a real strong indication of what the Apostle Paul was. All we know that He said, I have a thorn in the flesh. Paul refers to it, his thorn in the flesh, as a messenger of Satan. To buffet me. It's always there and I've called out to God. And I've asked God to remove my thorn in the flesh. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse number 9, if they come to the music, I'm getting ready to close. And he said unto me, my grace, my, my grace, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. A lot of us today have many thorns in the flesh. There are many messengers of Satan to buffet us and try to stop us. Instead of removing the thorn in the flesh, God chose rather to send His grace And say, I'm not going to remove the thorn, but through my grace, you can make it. I want to tell you sometimes that we are tempted, we are tested, we are tried. And we look at that at times like, since I'm tempted, and since I'm tested, and since I'm tried, we look and the devil condemns us because we thought about it. Because it's bothering us that we have committed sin. And the devil pours out a dark cloud over our head and says, you shouldn't worship. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Remember, remember, you have failed. I want to tell you, 
today. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head. The grace of God don't always stop the tempter from tempting. But the grace of God gives you the ability to withstand against the tempter that is doing the tempting. I come to tell you today, don't let the devil tell you ever again because you had this or because this come about or because this is bothering you that you have fallen into sin and transgression. The Apostle Paul said, God did never move my thorn in the flesh, but by the grace of God, I was always able to overcome. I was always able to conquer. And through my weakness, God is made strong. Through the weakness of human frailties, the power and the grace of God is made strong. God allows us, like Paul, to be tested, tried, to strengthen our faith. In our confidence in God. You see, if nothing ever bothered us, lots of time we were thinking we're getting to where we're going on our own. If we never had a trouble, we never had a trial. If you never have a sickness, you never know that God can heal you. If you never have a trial, you never know that God can deliver you. If you never have a temptation, you never know that the grace of God is able to make a way where the devil says there is no way. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can I tell you today, sometimes we need to stop cursing our problem. And we need to realize that without friction, things can't work properly sometimes. Without, without something Pushing against us, we lose our strength to be an overcomer. And we need to learn how to rely upon the grace of God, that God's grace is able to help you. So the Apostle Paul never got delivered of the thorn in the flesh. But he did get a revelation of this. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. In infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities. I take pleasure in persecution. I take pleasure in distresses. For Christ's sake. Now, don't get mixed up on what you are brought on by your own selfish will and desires. Than what you are suffering for Christ's sake. There's quite a bit difference in that. But when we are... Facing persecution for Christ's sake. In our weakness, we show the glory of God. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through sickness, when you're going through heartache, we realize 
that by this, God gives us the grace to smile. God gives us the grace to keep on going. God gives us the grace to come out victorious on the other side. It's nothing that we have done. I've seen people that were suffering great tribulation in their life. And they still smile. And I wonder how do they make it. It's not by their power. It's not by their might. But it's by the power and the glory of God. John Newton was the author of Amazing Grace. John Newton was not a good man at all. He was not a righteous man. He was not a godly man. He was more on the contrary, a godless man. He grew up in a very difficult situation. His mother had died at an early age, leaving him to be raised by his stepfather. That took him and he was raised on ships and on the sea. He got to be so much trouble as a young child that they put him in some type of military program trying to straighten him out, trying to help him along. He deserted that, got out on leave and never came back. Began to work in the slave trade bringing slaves over to America. They said he was one of the most vile, nastiest, filthiest mouth seamen that they had ever been around. Now to get that reputation, you must be bad from all I hear about seamen. They said that he did not have any belief in God. He had lived his life and gave his life to sin, doing evil things. Was not an honest man. One night in the middle of a storm, my memory serves me right. On one of their travels, one man that was standing where he was just previously standing just a few seconds before, was washed overboard as the waves come over the boat. As they begin to rock and they begin to bail out the water out of the ship that they were on, that the waves begin to get worse and the storm begin to get worse, that finally him and another seaman tied their bodies to a fixed place in the ship to ride out the storm. The storm went on for days. And uh, it seemed like there was no end in sight. Finally, they made it through the storm. Then all of their goods they had thrown overboard and they had washed away so they had no food, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. And they were a long way from any land. They began to sail toward land. I think it was... Fourteen days that they were pretty much out at sea with no provisions. He said it was in the midst of the storm that God began to deal with his heart and talk to him. 
And he started to make commitments to God. And God began to visit with him. And it's where he first got the notion. He was a poet and he would write poems and things, mostly vulgar poems against different people that he disliked. And so he began to pen the words. And this is what he wrote, what we know as probably the nation's favorite song. It says, Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did the grace appear, the hour I first believed. Said he'd come up with these words when the storm was at its worst. You see, sometimes God allows storms in our lives to help us understand that there is a God that still cares about us. That there is a God that still loves us. We're cursing the storm that was placed in our life by God to help us draw toward the grace of God. The second verse says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The last verse to the song says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than then when we first begun. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He said, when I thought I was unsavable, when I thought I was unlovable, when I thought I had went too far, God calmed the storm. And brought me safely to shore. I want to tell you today, don't let the devil lie to you, church. Don't let the devil lie to you, whoever you are and wherever you are. Don't let the devil tell you that I'll never get back. I'll never make it. I can never overcome. I can never be a conqueror. He said this was grace that taught me how to fear. When you look and the storm is raging... Have fear, but trust in the grace of God. John Newton's life was forever changed. He was a changed man when he got back on shore. He began to study theology, gave his life to God and become a minister. And preached for many, many years. And then this song was published and put into writing. A song that we love today. And it's all about the amazing grace of God. Let's all stand today. Why don't everybody just lift your hands and lift your voice toward God right now. I feel that the Lord wants to help somebody in this house today. The grace and the mercy of God is here. No, you don't deserve it. 
No, I don't deserve it. But it's the unmerited favor of God toward man. The grace of God wants to step into your situation. The grace of God wants to step into your problem. The grace of God wants to move into your life. The grace of God wants to go home with you today. If you're here under the sound of my voice this morning and you need the grace of God, why don't you step out from where you're standing and make your way to this front? I need your grace, God. Oh, wretched man that I am, I need your grace. I need your help. I need your touch. I need that reassurance one more time, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you let God help you right now? Why don't you let God strengthen you right now? Why don't you let God give you a touch from heaven right now? Why don't you let grace touch your heart today? Hallelujah. He loves you. He loves you today. He loves you today. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, touch every heart today, God. Touch every soul today, God. Move in every life today, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's by His grace. It's by His grace. It's by His mercy that we are all here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just give Him praise right now for His grace. Oh, for Your help, for Your touch, God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, help us in this Help us in this house today, God. A touch from heaven right now, Lord. A touch from heaven right now, Lord. And grace. It will lead me home. Oh, hallelujah. And it's amazing. That amazing grace. grace that amazing grace. The hallelujah. That
together right now. Why don't everybody lift up your voice? Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. How sweet the sound that Come on, one more time before we leave this place. Sing it from your heart today. It was that amazing grace that saved me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. I worship you. I worship you, Lord. I was Hallelujah. 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 Let's lift our hands and thank God for His grace today. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you